0: Could carry, we say, who could carry that kind of way? Oh, it was my time. Come on, you sing it out till I made you. And I was breathing.
1: Happy Easter. I uh, hope you're having a great day. Hey, well, I want to welcome all of you here. There's a special group of people I would like to welcome today, and that's our VIPs. Can you make some noise for our VIPs? If you are a VIP, you mean so much to us. Then we have a special gift waiting for you right outside. We know how hard it is for you to be able to come to a church like this, so we'd love to do that. On your VIP cards, we want you to write a special phrase so that we know that you came to this service, and it's, we love eggs. I know that sounds crazy. We love love eggs i say it every time i go to the diner but we would love for you to write that on your connect cards that way we can hand it into the vip tent because we would love to get you your free gift because you mean so much to us for the rest of you we're so excited you're here today and you mean the world to us as well you look amazing in all of your easter attire whatever that means for each of you and we're so excited fill out that connect card as well from top to bottom write a prayer on the back because our prayer team is praying right now and would love to pray for you also I think you know this, but this service is already getting pretty full. And so if you could just go ahead and scrunch up as best as you can next to the person that's next to you, they may look a little sketchy, but I promise they'll love you in Jesus' name. So like, just if you can clear the aisles, just to help us out as we bring in more people in, because there's a line of people waiting to come in as well, and we want as many people in the room as we can possibly fit. So hey, I don't know why you came today. Maybe a friend brought you, maybe you came for Easter eggs, or maybe you just wandered in. I want to tell you the real reason you came is because our God is not dead. He is alive indeed, and I am so excited about that today. So we're going to jump back into worship, and I would pray that you maybe, for the first time, would worship that Jesus today. Will you worship with us?
0: Good morning, Newark. We're so excited to have you here with us. Let's continue to pray for Lord. okay? of the lord this morning that we serve a god who came and he died and on the third day rose again so that we may have life he defeated death in the grave so that we don't have to he is our refuge our strength and our peace so we say i just want to speak the name of jesus our lives together.
1: Church. Will you pray with me? Father, 2,000 years ago, we know that everything we have been waiting for came to fruition on that Sunday. That on Friday night and Saturday, there were a lot of disciples waiting, wondering if what you said was real, that they had a lot hanging in the balance, and for most of them, they were completely unsure. But deep down, you told them this Sunday was coming. That for the people sitting in the seats right now, God, I know there's uncertainty in their life. Maybe it's the marriage that they're not sure of. Maybe it's the children that they don't know what to do at this point. God, maybe it's the finances that aren't adding up. Right now, God, I pray you would speak to them and say, Sunday is here, that you have given new life, you have given new opportunity, that Jesus is not in the grave. He is risen indeed. And because of that, all of this is possible. So, Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he means to us. We are grateful for this day. We're grateful for the message that Pastor Gary is about to preach. We ask it all in your name. Amen. Hey, as you are sitting down, really, we need you to scooch as tight as you can. I know I've already said it a couple times, but we've probably got 50 people or so or 100 people waiting in the the hallway. And so we're trying to create as much space as we possibly can. For them, we are pretty much out um, in that. So we need everybody to just... To be one big family. This is uh, this is Thanksgiving meal with one row here. This is a big deal. It's like sneaking into Golden Corral at four forty five with all the older folks there. I'm not looking at you, I'm just saying it's a hard time to get in. Just scooch it as close as you can so our ushers can do that. That would be incredible. Thank you so much. As they're checking their kids in. Hey, I do want to tell you that maybe you got here and it felt like a blitz from the parking lot to the hallway to here. And you didn't have a chance to check your kids into kids ministry. Um, I want to tell you, I don't think that's the greatest daycare in the world. I think it's the greatest kids ministry in the world. And I, I think that it's a great opportunity for you to take your kids there right now. And you go, Rusty, man, I got to tell you, I don't know those people. I want to tell you that everybody over there is background checked. Not only they background check, they're going to be able to play games, but not just play games. They're going to hear a message about Jesus as well right over there in the rooms. So anybody from about two weeks to five, to fifth grade, we would love for you to do that. And I get it. You're like, Rusty, my kids don't bother me. And my kids don't bother me at all. I get it. I got two of them. Mine don't bother me either. But I got some bad kids. And while they don't bother me, they bother some people around me, right? And in this room, at a crowd this size, just look around you'll see that there's people everywhere that someone is going to hear about Jesus for the first time today. That someone in this room is going to give their life to Jesus for the first time today. And my kids may be the reason why they don't. So if you would, we're about, I'm just being honest. So if that if you feel that way, you're like, yeah, man, I got to be honest, my kids are a little rowdy. We would ask you in the most loving, sincere way possible to just try the kids' ministry right over there. You can still check them out. We're about to show a video and do a kind of an experience, and you'll have time to get back for Pastor Gary's message. So if you have a chance, just consider it as we're doing this. Hey, uh, we're here at New Walk, we're about two things, life change and Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. And maybe you're new to this and you go, Rusty, I don't know. I don't understand what that means. Well, I think you're about to about to show something where you're going to see videos all around the room right here on this wall on that wall on the wall behind me of actual life change that happened here at New Hope. and what i would tell you is that if you would just pay close attention and you would just listen to the message that pastor gary is about to share your story might be next so check this video out and listen as the worship team leads us in this beautiful song
2: worship team. They're amazing. They're here every weekend and they lead us do a great job here at our church. Thank you for joining us. Happy Easter. Welcome to Easter at New Walk. The helicopter is all fueled up and ready to go. Uh, but we have some business to take care of in here. Here's one thing I want to say. We've had already a couple of things we've had to deal with. Well, one thing for sure is trying to get everybody a seat and you know, we still have a little bit, a few seats here and there. Uh, left for some of our ushers, but the other thing that's going to be a challenge probably going forward here, and yet it's so important, and I need your help, in every service, uh, we've had a lot of busyness like this, and our crowds have been really helpful, and here's what I'm, I'm going to ask, and, and that is that you would really protect uh, the integrity of our time together. I think every weekend, our church has the blessing of reaching people who never go to church. And they come here and visit with us, and for some, it's the first time they've ever been, or they don't go very often, and every once in a while, they, they pop into a tr- and they come here. And we're so grateful for that. But whether you've got an extensive church background, and you know how church works, or you're very new to church, something that is important is this time, because the Word of God is going forth. So we just ask you, Rusty was talking about kids and all that, all that's important because We want to, you know, protect the integrity and keep this place calm. I want to welcome some of our folks that are watching Easter online. Would y'all welcome them? And then also, uh, let's welcome, we've got people watching in the cafe. So let's connect with them and welcome them as well. Uh, This weekend is all about what are we celebrating? We're celebrating Really what that video expresses, that Christ has renewed and resurrected people's lives right here amongst us, right here in this room. There's people have stories just like that were on this video screen, and they had you know, some sort of encounter with God, and then he, they just immersed in the things of God, and their life radically transformed the scripture that was at the centerpiece of that video, I think it was up there at the very beginning. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter five, in verse 17, it says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, hey, if you belong to Christ, you have become, uh, what does it say right there, you have become what? A new person, right, so it says the old, the old is gone and a new life has begun. The people that are celebrating right here, Easter weekend, these are people Uh, People that you might see them raise their hands, or they're really into the music, or they're really excited to be here at church. There may be some people uh, you can relate to this, like you want to be here not just Easter weekend, but all the time, because it's not a requirement, but it's an outflow of expression of what God has done for you in your life. There was an old way of living, and now you have encountered a new life. Some of you relate to that strongly, but I also want to address the elephant in the room that there are some of you, and you don't get it at all. (laughs) You're like... Why do they lift their hands? And what is all the excitement? And why would anybody come to church regularly? And, and like, you, you, when it starts talking about the old life being gone and having a new life, you, you really don't know what that means. And you've never encountered that in your own life. And if that is you, again, we're glad you're here. What I wanna do is really kind of help us understand who all is in the room here in our time together. I, I'd like us to do some self identification like, okay, this is where I am spiritually on my journey with God. And maybe if you will allow me to kind of bring us all on, kind of on a journey to where we would say, how could we be all be on the same page spiritually? It would be my desire before you leave that you would be able to encounter Christ in such a way that, that puts you kind of in the same movement with those who really do fully get and understand what Easter is all about, who understand what new life is. I want us to kind of all have an opportunity before we leave to be on the same page. Is that okay if I do that with you? Okay, five of you are excited. Great. So here we go. Let's go through this together and kind of, kind of understand spiritual journey. For a moment, let me just say this: a spiritual journey with God is a lot like the development of a relationship in sort of the dating realm. Uh, let's just say. Let me just give it to you like this for a second. And for some, of, I, obviously, a relationship with God is, is even bigger. But let's just kind of to help you understand it. Put it like this: if you Maybe uh, you, there, there's somebody that you're introduced to, you know, for the first time, and you're interested, maybe, uh, in, in dating them. Before you were introduced even to them in any way, shape, or form, you may have heard of them. Uh, maybe you heard like some things about them, but you don't really, you didn't really know them that well. And you're finally introduced to them. You start to learn a little bit more about them. For example, 33 years ago. I met, uh, was now my wife 33 years ago. I met my wife, Sean. Uh, we got married actually three weeks ago. So we no, that's, I'm just kidding. We, we got married 26 years ago. But you know, when, when I met her, I knew some things about her. She was smart, she's beautiful. But I, you know, you understand, I didn't know her very well. It just kind of, then I was introduced to her. And in that, in that relationship with her, kind of, we began to date, you know, we kind of flirting and back and forth and, you, you know, kind of showing some interest in one another, that kind of thing, all right? And then, then that relationship, and for some of you, you, you've had this experience where that relationship grows and it goes to a point, all right, where you have decided, like, I'm all in with this person. And that usually culminates, really, in a moment where people come to, like, an altar. And, you know, we say, I do. And what we enter into there is something called a covenant with God and with this person that we are marrying. And in that covenant, what you say in that relationship is this, I'm all in till death do we pardon. Like, I'm here, and this is it. Like, we are going to discover now in that moment of marriage the highest level of relational intimacy available on the planet. When you enter into a covenant with somebody in marriage, that is what you are discovering is the highest level of relationship with another human being. Uh, to be clear, it's not a contract. When you get married, it's a covenant. It says, "Hey, I, I'm here, and we're going to do. It till we're in all the way." That's such a, a powerful thing, and, and over the years, uh, 26 plus years being married to my wife, like, I've learned more and more about her, our relationship has grown, has grown. the intimacy and, and the depth in which we understand each other has grown more and more as the years have gone on. My wife, I know her well, I could be in a room with 200 other women, I probably shouldn't be, but I'm just saying, like, I, and I could hear, if I heard her voice, I would know it above everybody else's. I could, if I smell her perfume, I know that's her. I know all these kinds of things about her in a very, very intimate way because of the development and the growth of that relationship. Now, spiritually, there are many of you kind of on a very similar journey. Some of you have heard of God. You've heard of him. You haven't really kind of like taken time to get to know him that much, but you're, you've, you've heard of God. There are others of you, you have not just heard of God. Somebody's attempted to introduce you to God at some point in your life and you kind of showed some interest, flirted a little bit, you know, but but then, you know, just kind of backed away and one day you're kind of interested maybe in God and then some days or weeks or months years pass and now you're not so interested. It's kind of a flirtatious sort of thing, but there are some in this room and and this is a group of here a group of you here, you have entered into that covenant relationship with God. You invited him in, maybe in a setting like this, like we have here, and you're on that journey with him and you have been growing deeply and intimately with him. And you understand, like when I shared what I just said right now, you're growing on a journey with God deeply and intimately, you understand what I'm talking about. And and that is a journey that doesn't mean life is perfect, it doesn't mean you don't deal with highs and lows, but you're growing on the journey of life with God. Now, I would submit to you that we ought to probably just kind of address the fact that we are all on these different journeys, and I wanna kind of break down to you three kind of different segments of what that journey might look like for everybody in this room. And so what I thought I would do first, though, is look at Titus, let's just kind of set the table, Uh, Titus chapter one, verse 16, it's kind of a downer, I'll be honest we're gonna start here. It says this in Titus 1:16. There are people, look, they claim, they claim to know God. I'm gonna we'll stop there. When you see that word know about God in the scriptures, it's talking about intimacy. Know in the Bible is like knowing a bride intimately, a husband and wife. It, it's it's that level of intimacy. So it says there are people who claim that they know God. But by the way they live their life, by their actions, they, what do they do? They what? Deny him. It, it's like they're living detestable, disobedient. They're unfit for anything good. That's really harsh. What it's really saying is, is like there are people who say they wanna live for God and make a difference for God, but because they don't live for God in the way they live their life, they kind of push people away from the faith, and so they can't do anything good for God when you're living away from God. That's what it's saying. And I think we all know that this happens. We, you, you understand, I think you're a pretty smart crowd, that there are people that could come to church, but by the way they live their life, it's like they really don't know God. You understand that, right? You could have a cross around your neck and say, I know God, but the way you live your life is you don't know God. It, it at least seems that way on, on the outside appearance. Uh, there are people you know who could uh, bring their child to be dedicated but they don't really know God. In fact, some of you know that this is so potentially possible. You grew up in a home in which your mother and father talked big time about how much they believed in God, but you watched the way maybe one of them lived their life, and you were like, I'm not sure they believe in God. because of the, and, and it pushed you away. Because you were like, if that's what Christianity is, I don't want it. Others of you, you watched somebody. This was their story and you drew close to them and you realized they kind of weren't the deal and so you pushed, you pushed away. So we all understand that this can happen in the surveys in America tell us, hey, did you know 80 to 90% of Americans say they believe in a God? Sure, they, they do. But when you dial into the data, you know what you discover? Uh, less than 20% of Americans say they have an ongoing relationship with God that they've dug into intimately. So just in this room is sort of a snapshot really of what we have in America. There are just some, it's not that many, but some who have that intimacy and personally knowing him. There are many that might claim to know him in some way or another, but are not living for God. I just wanna address all of that and you will have to take a very sobering, very very clear, honest, honest look at your own self. I have to do this with me, you have to do this with you. I can't do it for you, I'm gonna try to help but you have to take an assessment and say on this journey that Pastor Gary's taking us today, where do I fall? Where do I land on that spiritual journey? My, again, all I want for you as I point some things out is that you would join, uh, join me on this kind of journey living a life that lives for God. Here's the first group of people and some of you, if you're honest, you'll, you'll identify right here and this is, this is the first one. Put in your notes. We'll put it up on the screen. There are some people They know of God, but they do not know him. Kind of talked about that a little bit already. And so the question might be, well, spiritually, isn't that enough? If I just know there's a God that exists? And the answer is no. And James says this in the scriptures, even the demons know there's a God. Even Satan obviously knows there's a God. He wars against the things of God. So yes, yeah, so, so it's really not a big home run in your life, and I don't wanna be mean with that, but to say, well, I believe there's a God. Uh, because that's uh, very clearly addressed in, Jane, in John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter two and verse three, it says this. Uh, it says, we know that we have come to know him, intimacy, know God, if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, in other words, live for God, is a liar, or the truth is not in him. So we could, again, there, there's, there's a, a way in which we say, okay, I'm going to actually live this life out, I'm gonna follow this God that I really am intimately knowing. It says you live in truth when you live that way. It's not fraudulent. It's, in other words, I believe, but also my actions follow. I believe, but my actions follow. And so it, it's kind of a, a change, it's a, it's a game changer. You know, there's a famous verse that people don't realize is even in the Bible and they'll quote it a lot and they'll say, well, you know, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And they'll leave the the, the, the verse out right before that. It says, if you follow Jesus, then you will know the truth, Jesus says this, and then you will set free When you walk in truth and the freedom in Christ, it's because you're following the things that Jesus asks you to do. Truth versus fraudulent living. Truth that says, "I, I have that relationship with him and I live that out versus, well, I think there's a God, but I don't live in any way, shape, or form for him. Folks, the difference is from here to here. It's a foot and a half. But it's the biggest and most important journey. You will ever discover in your life going from the head knowledge to the heart. And some of you, I want to help you. And as a matter of fact, before we're done here today, dozens and dozens and dozens of people are going to decide to take things from head knowledge to the heart in an instant right here today before we're done, that's going to happen. And if you're in this boat where you're like, yeah, I know there's a God and you know, But but I but I don't live I I don't really live it out in my heart. I've never decided to do that. I want to give you that opportunity because there are people that would say, well, you know, as long as I do some good stuff and as long as I go to church at least you know once or twice a year or whatever that may be, you know, isn't that enough? And it's one thing to have it up here, but something very different. Here's the next group I put in my notes. And some of you, if we're kind of doing a third, a third, a third here, like there's a group of you that kind of fall in this group. It may not be exactly a third, but here's what some of you, here's your story. You know God, but right now, just where you are in your life, you're not living for him. And so I believe it's entirely possible, though you're in a messy place right now in your life, or the choices you're making, or the decisions you're not paying attention to the things of God, you may have had an encounter with him. And you went to an Easter service and made a commitment or Christmas or youth camp or some other place and you invited Christ into your life and I'm not here to to debate that with you. If that happened, that's awesome. But you're not living for him now. And that's what kind of I want to address and the difficulty related to that because again... Uh, It's one thing to express that you want to have or have this relationship with God, but are you really living it out in a way that shows that you trust him? It reminds me of a moment in American history, and maybe you've heard of this moment. It was a guy who wanted to show that he could walk across the tightrope across the Niagara River. This was back in 1859, I think, so 160-something years ago. A guy by the name of Charles Blondin decided he wanted to do this. And he, he set it up you know, on one side and stretched a rope to the other side. How many of you know on one side uh, of the Niagara is, is the United States, and on the other side is Canada? Good. See, the school system's still <laughs> doing it. Good. And so he's setting this thing, up, this thing up to where he's gonna go walk right across, you know, and go to the other side. And it was a big day. There were thousands, like I think the four or 5,000 Americans on one side and then, waiting on the other side, on the Canadian side, was another four or five thousand Canadians, and so they're kind of going to receive him on the other side. And before he goes out on that tightrope, he says, "Okay, how many of you believe that I can make it across?" And the crowd said, "We believe, we believe." They chanted his name, "Blonde and blonde," and so he starts making his way, and he makes his way, and makes it all the way across. To the Canadian side. And the Canadians cheer, cheer, cheer. He turns around to the Canadians and says, how many of you think I can make it and go all the way back to the American side? The Canadians say, we believe, we believe. And they're chanting and cheering him on. He makes it back over to the American side. They cheer as they receive him. Then he says, let's take it up another notch. You know what we wanna do now? Let's take it up a notch and see if you, what do you think? Can I take a wheelbarrow across? And the Americans say, we believe. We believe. And so the wheelbarrow, he sets out with it and takes it all the way across and makes it to the other side. Canadians cheer. Then when he gets to the Canadian side, he says, we're going to take it up another notch. How many of you think I could go with somebody on my back and make it across? The crowd, the Canadians say, we believe. We believe. He says, okay, here's the key question. Who's going to volunteer? Now, you know what happened in crickets, right? Oh, uh, what did he just say? And nobody volunteered. So he goes back over to the American side. They receive him over there, and he says, Here, here's what I just challenged them with. I, how many of you believe I can put somebody on my back and walk across? And the Americans said, we believe, we believe. But then he said, okay, okay, but how many of you want to volunteer? And it was, Quiet again. But then, out of the crowd, folks, one person steps up and says, I trust. I'm ready to trust. Gets on his back. Most historians believe that uh, that this person weighed at least as much or was more, was bigger in stature than Charles Blondin. He got on his back and he took him all the way across. And I share that story with you only for this reason because I feel like it's a pretty solid portrait of what seems to be Christianity in America today. We believe we believe, but when the chips are down and it's time to trust God with your life, like with big decisions, with, with your sexual purity, with your financial resources, with some of the key moments in life where you're going to honor and live for God, oh, maybe not so much. Are you really willing to get on his back? Are you really really willing to trust him during tough times? And because this is kind of a different Level here where it says, okay, this is the life I want to encounter with God. And in John chapter 10, Jesus answered, They said this, I did tell you, but you did not believe. You are not trusting me. I do these miracles in my father's name. They speak for me. He's like, I walk across tightropes for you. But you do not believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep, they listen to my voice. He says, I know them. They know me. We know each other intimately. They follow me. This is important. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. He says, he says, yeah, I am the author of eternal life. I think you need to know that's clear about Easter. Jesus does bring, you and I, eternal life. But he's sharing something like, hey, when my sheep hear me and they start to wander, they come back home when I call them out. When they're trying to make decisions in life and they're not sure, they listen to my voice and they say, that's the direction I need to go. They know me, I know them. We know each other by name. We know each other intimately by names. We know uh, each other in this kind of way where we're responding and interacting to one another. Do you have that kind of relationship? That's what I would love for people to have here, but here's the bottom line, and I put five things in your notes that are gonna happen, whether you're an unbeliever or a believer, when you're living a life away from God, there's some things you're going to encounter, just guaranteed, and I just wanna share them. Some of you are gonna hit the, like, you're gonna hit all five because this is where you are right now. Some of you are gonna relate to one or two or three, but, but I wanna give you these because you can be certain at some point this becomes the story. Here's the first thing in your notes. A life not living for God will, journeying away from God will, first of all, I put in your notes, always lead you downward, southward, spiraling, in other words. And, and there are somebody here right now this is you, and, and it's not a spiraling of, I'm talking about a spiraling of your own choices that you've made, and it's one thing, and it's another thing, and it's another thing, right? And it just keeps going. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you're like, this is just going downhill quick. For example, one time, my wife, when she was pregnant many years ago, we went to Golden Corral, we went to the, to the buffet, and we ate, and then after we were done, she went up to the dessert bar, and she came back to our seat, in her hands, three different plates with the three different desserts. And I said, and men, don't do this ever. I said, dang, girl, you got a lot of desserts there. Now, everything after that spiraling. There was like nothing. I, I, I said, what I mean is what I mean. Oh, well, really? What do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? You're talking about my wife? And you know I got to eat for two anyways, you know, and so you're just going through this thing and it's just not going well. Now, I joke a little bit there, but some of you in life, this has been where you've been, and it was a week that turned into a month, and a month that turned into a year. And for some of you, it's been going on a while. I think sometimes when we get into those moments, we don't see it because we've been there so long, spiraling for so long. It becomes almost, we become unaware. I hope you're Maybe going to become aware of that here in our time together. Second thing in your notes is there's always a price to pay. There's always a big bill that comes due. When you're journeying away from God, there's a bill that comes due, man, and it's way more than the initial beginning, right? The way our spiritual adversary, Satan, puts stuff in front of humanity, it's very sparkly, it's very pretty, it's very sexy, whatever it is, And you start on that journey, and it seems like not a big deal, but then at some point, a bill comes due. I remember uh, uh, many years ago, I took our family to this place in Orlando. Perhaps you've been there. I don't know if you've been there. There's a place in Orlando. It's pretty cool. It's called the Rainforest Cafe. Anybody ever been? Raise your hand if you've been to the Rainforest Cafe. All right, a lot of rich folk in the building. That's cool. All right. Uh, Look, when I... Uh, went there, you know, I mean, it is cool, right? You go in, there's the trees and the animals and they're making noise and the, the sounds and all that stuff is taking place. You eat, you kind of get this food. Honestly, I'm like, this is, you know, I don't, it's all right, whatever. So, then the bill came and I'm like, <laughs> I'm not sure it was worth all this. <laughs> Had I known like, oh my goodness, like this is really not kind of what I was looking for. And you know, it's just kind of a snapshot, but I think life can do that. You know, you set out on something kind of journeying away from God, and the bill comes due and you've lost your integrity. And the bill came due and you lost your marriage. And the bill came due and you lost a relationship with your kids over something. And the bill came due and you're in a financial disaster now. And a bill came due and you lost your virginity. And the bill came due and now there's a spiraling addiction. It's always a price. I think we have to push past this, okay, God, how could you, and say, what, what is my part in this? And I think sometimes when we're in this journey away from God, we hope we won't affect anybody else. You know, people will actually pray, Lord, I know I've got this struggle, just please don't let it affect anybody else, and that's not a good prayer to ask God at all. But for some of you, you need to know this, whatever you're involved in, that even, maybe it's just your spiritless life, and your lack of focus on your faith. I don't know what it could be, but for, you need to know it's already affecting your family. Or it's already affecting people. There's a teenager here in this room. You're making some decisions and you think it's just you. It's hurting your parents. And there's, some, there's a man here. Like, you're, you're not following the things of Jesus. You're not, you're not living for him. You're, you're not focused. And your family knows it. And they're paying They're experiencing your lack of desire to dig in in your spiritual growth. It could be a lot of things. I'm just saying, like, it affects other people. Here's another thing in your notes there's always a dead end. We think, you know, the affair will just end and it's no problem. One more hit, one more drink, a little bit more money, one more night with her or him, one more credit card. It never works out. And then I put this in your notes. There's always a time where you're found out, where you're hiding, hiding, hiding in this hole that you kind of dug yourself in, hoping you won't be found out. And, and you just will be. It just, it's just a matter of time. And I say, I'm not trying to trying to be tough here with this. In fact, here's what I want to say. If right now you would say, yeah, this is your story, and you're in some kind of hole or really dark place, here's what you need to know. We are literally celebrating this weekend right now The fact that God took his son out of a hole. Out of something very dark. That Jesus Christ was resurrected and that same resurrection power that Jesus Christ encountered, he wants to do for you. He wants to take you out of a dark place. He wants to lift you out of that hole. He wants to get you out of that messy situation. You've just got to reach your hand to him today before you leave and say, God, lift me out. The last thing I put in your notes, and some of you got to pay attention to this because this is you. You could make a huge commitment, but if you're journeying away from God, you can make a huge commitment to God, but if you're journeying away from God, you, you need to know this that you will always have friends that don't want you living for God. And you gotta figure out how you're gonna deal with that, because I've watched people come into an environment just like this, well intentioned, make big commitments for God. And I've watched them walk out and keep rolling with the same crew they've been rolling with. And it always brings them kinda back, you know, to where they once were. And I'm not, this is not to say, well, cut everybody off. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you got to decide who you want to roll with closely. And if you want to start living right, live for the things of God, you've got to start dealing with sometimes who those friends are. I've said many times at this church as I've sat in the office of people who've got a story to tell me about where they got to in some kind of mess in their life. Oftentimes it starts with these four words. I had these friends. And it's a real struggle. Let me move now to this last group. And this is probably the smallest segment of people here in our room, but I want to bring this up because this is where I would love everybody decide they want to be before we leave here today. There are people in this room who know God intimately and they are living out their life on a daily journey, this new life with him. You know what intimacy with God is. And you're striving to live it out every day in your life, this new life that God gave you. I am not saying it's perfection. I'm not saying you don't make mistakes. As I stand before you, right now, I have something in common with everybody in this room. I make mistakes. I would put myself in this intimate new life category, but I still make mistakes. And you do too, so we all have that. If you're here today and you're like, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't make no mistakes. I just, I, Can I just say, thank you, Jesus Christ, for worshiping with us live right here in our setting. You're so perfect in the way you live your life. No, you're not. You know it, I know it. We all have this. The difference for me is, yeah, I have highs and lows where you know there's difficulties in life, and I make mistakes, but I'm on that journey. God calls me back and says, hey, Pastor, hey Gary, come on over here. I respond to him when he's trying to correct me. When I'm feeling low, I sense intimately that he's right by my side. That's the journey we're talking about. But there's some other things I've discovered and I wanna share them with you before we finish out our time together that I have just discovered in my walk with God. And I wanna give you three of my favorite things that I've discovered in my life that come when you have a life that's intimately walking with Christ. Here's the first thing I put in your notes. In that journey of intimacy with God, you can discover a meaningful life. Hear me, the greatest tragedy in life is not death. The greatest tragedy in life is you living a life without any meaning. And I am watching before my very eyes as I pastor a large church in this community. People walking around in our community who are, your schedule is full, don't get me wrong. You have a full life schedule, but you do not have a meaningful life. There are people that are living this out and you got cars and house and toys. And possessions, and bank account, and career, but you do not have meaning in your life. What am I talking about? I'm talking about a life that's way beyond anything in the world, the flesh that your eyes can see. The Bible says there is a life that's beyond that, that when you discover your purpose, and why you're here, and the design for your life, you live out something very different than other people that maybe have discovered. There are a lot of people in this room. You're, on a, you're striving to find the good life and maybe you found it, but there is a whole nother life available. It's called the great life. And it is powerful when you discover it. Here's what it says in first Peter chapter one and verse three. Praise be to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He's given us, here's that new thing at new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into, but here's where it's talking about Something beyond what you see. Like, all right, we're talking about beyond achievements, awards, bank accounts, streaming services, hobbies, travel, sex, looking good. He says there's something beyond all of that. An inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It's an inheritance that kept in heaven for you. And it's only found when you find that life with God and you're living that out and you're encountering the things that you can take with you when you leave. Like loving relationships in Christ that you have with other people. Like your own eternal salvation. Leaving family type of legacy behind. Here's the next thing in your notes. I've discovered a life of freedom and forgiveness. Freedom through forgiveness and grace. In forgiveness and grace. This this life of freedom, it's unknown to people who don't know what I'm talking about because, well, you don't know what you don't know. When you've discovered the freedom in Christ, then you know what it is that I'm talking about. We live in a country, America, it's built on these freedoms. The freedom I'm talking about blows away any type of freedom you could ever encounter here in America. Because it's a freedom from your past, your shame, your guilt, your regret, worrying about it's God holding something over me in my life, worried about the things that I've done a long time ago or the things that I've even done been done to me and I've moved past those things in my life and I have a new freedom. It's like chains have come off of me and now I can live not a fake life trying to be somebody I'm not meant to be. I can live a life for the way God's designed me to be. Freedom found in forgiveness. Did you know that the Bible says if you want to be a part of the family of God, you have to be forgiven. If you're not forgiven, you're not a part of the The family of God. Here's what I mean. Forgiven people have a relationship with God, and so they're in the family and they can develop that intimacy. How do you receive forgiveness? The Bible is clear through God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ. We've already heard it in some of the scriptures. He is the way. He says, No one comes to eternal life but, but through me. He said it right there in one of the texts that we looked at. And you receive that forgiveness because God required that for forgiveness. I'm talking about the giving of perfection. For the sake of humanity, Jesus was this offering. And now, for all that humanity could, all of humanity who receives him, they are forgiven, they are set free. You make that decision, then you start living for him. I do wanna say there are some people in this room, you are very confused about how God might love you. And some of you were born in a situation and raised in a situation where somebody conveyed to you somewhere along the line that for God to love you, you had to do X, Y, and Z and get it right. You need to know something. That's called religion. And when Jesus Christ went to the cross, he canceled religion once and for all. I don't know if you understand that. He made it so it's not about what you do, it's about what God did for you already. Religion, activity, has been canceled by Jesus Christ. What do you see when you have a bad TV show? It lasts like one season on a channel. What do they do to that show if it's bad? They cancel it. Religion is unhealthy and Jesus took care of it. You have a loving relationship developed with forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Why do I want to live for him afterwards? Because there's so much more he wants to reveal to me about the goodness that he has for me. And that's why I was baptized one day. It's because I made that decision On my own, my parents didn't do it for me. I made that decision on my own and said, hey, I wanna be baptized as a believer in Christ. And so I I made that choice to be publicly baptized. Jesus said, hey, here's a first test of your obedience to me. Are you willing to follow me and be, are you willing to be baptized? We're having a baptism at seven o'clock tonight right out here in the front. Some of you are gonna hear his voice and return to him because you already know who he is. And maybe you're going to be rededicated. You're going to come back at 7 o'clock. You have to sign up. Just bring your family and show up. Some of you are going to hear his voice call you out for the very first time. And you're going to respond. And you're going to say, I'm going to be baptized tonight, a little bit later, right here, Easter at New Walk, as the sun begins to set on this day. I hope you'll return to be a part of the baptism that's taking place out here. Here's the last thing in your notes. You have an opportunity through Christ to encounter new power. There is a charge that God has to offer, and you are not designed to be unplugged from it. Some of you are, but you weren't made to be unplugged. There is a power that you can encounter in your life that comes when you have that relationship with God. When you feel you are on empty, you can turn to him, and he will charge you up. When you're feeling like everything's running low, he will lift you higher. When you feel like there's no way forward, he shows you a path. There's an incredible power that comes for those who are plugged into God's power. You know something else you have access to when you know God's power? It's called the power of prayer, which is huge. Starting next week, I hope you'll come back, folks, because there is a really powerful teaching that's going to start taking place next week. It's going to run several weekends in a row here at our church, and we're going to kind of develop it and grow it every week. We're doing a series starting next week. It's called Vending Machine Jesus. And here's the thing. I personally certainly do not believe Jesus should be treated as some vending machine. But we're calling it this because there are some people that do think that's the way it works. Put in some coins, press some buttons, and my prayer comes out. No, it doesn't work that way. But there are some powerful things to learn about prayer. There are some things you could learn that will enhance your prayer life so you can really discover what prayer can do in your life. And so we're going to reveal some of those things over several weeks coming up. I hope you'll join us. Here's what it says in Romans eight eleven about power. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, spirit of God, raised Christ from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. That that spirit is so powerful, it can resurrect your life. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is available to you. Folks, since I've developed that intimacy with God, I have learned to see him so differently in the day-to-day and the way I live. David in the scriptures, King David. David. When David went through some very difficult times and then discovered really the intimacy with God, it says this in Psalm 63 in verse one. He says, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Just experience the intimacy that he has right here. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary. I've beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name, I will lift my hands. David's saying, I have such intimacy with you, God, that I know you. I've seen you. I've experienced you. God, I want more of you because I've seen you. I wanna know you even deeper. I've beheld your power. I know, God, that you are a God of goodness and so my hands can't stay down when it's time to worship you. God, you have made me not the same any longer. The old standard of the way I used to live, it is gone. A new life has begun in my life. I am changed forever, and so God, I want to worship you, and I want to serve you because I have intimacy with you. I give that to you because it's a beautiful bit of poetry about the power of intimacy with God. I think when you have intimacy with God, how you see him, how you respond to him, how you call him by name can change as well. How he reaches out to you and how you hear his voice develops and grows. In other words, for when somebody's reaching out to me, I know by just the name they use for me whether they really know me. So, for example, my last name is Baldus, and if somebody calls me on the phone and I answer it, and I get one of those calls that you guys get on your cell phone, and you know right away, like, this is like a marketing call or whatever, and I get that call, I say, is this Mr. Baldus? Here's what I know right away. What? They don't know me. They don't know me. I can tell by, by what the name they just use for me, whether they know me. Uh, if I say, uh, I've got a table for four, the last name is Baldus, and they call my name and they say the table is ready. They call me, they say, we've got a table for four for Baldus, do they really know me? No, they just happen to figure out kind of my last name. There's another group of people, when they call me out, they use the name Gary, and they may know some things about me, they, they may not. Some people call me Pastor Gary, and, and so maybe that's a reflection of how people know me here and experience me here At the church, sometimes people call me PG. There's another level of people that I have known very deeply in my life, especially growing up. I had a group of friends growing up when we were really young. And when they called me by name, they actually called me g dog Don't ever use that with me, please. It was a long time ago. But I know when they use that word, you know, what they mean. Because we were close, you know, in those days growing up. There's another couple of people that when they were really little, they'd get on my lap. And they call me daddy because they knew me in a very intimate way, father, daddy. There's somebody else who knows me even deeper and she sits next to me on the couch. And when she sits next to me, I'm just going to tell you right now, she calls me stud muffin. All right? so. <laughs> and when she calls me that, you know that's different intimacy, right? All right. You know, what I'm saying is the names begin to reflect intimacy. The response begins to reflect one of, God, I know you. There's words spoken. There's exchange and conversation. God, I know you, and you know me. And when I'm drifting, he calls me by these names and calls me, comes back. Hey, Gary, come back home. Respond to what I'm trying to get you to respond to. It reminds me of this moment where this, this guy in this village in, in the nation of Georgia, halfway around the globe, his dog had walked out one day and got lost and for three years had not returned home. And this guy searched the city daily, looking for his dog, went out on the hillside looking for the dog, couldn't find the dog. Kept searching and searching. One day, he was going through town and he finally saw that and, and the name, just listen to the, the voice and the name recognition and the response. Just a, just a portrait of human and animal, an animal just saying, I hear you. I'm, I'm responding. He, watch this video.
0: Georgie, 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 are you
2: I love the response there. He's coming home. He's back into family's arms and responding to that, that name. Look, when you come to know Christ, he... He calls you out differently at times. When you have that intimacy with him, you start responding to God with names and calling him out. You know, for me in, in my life, when I'm hurting and, and dealing with some struggles and some pains in life, you know what I call him sometimes? I call him healer. And when I need a shelter in the storm and I'm going through something that, that, that's damaging me in some kind of way in my life, I, I call him my fortress, and for some of you ladies, you know you're, the way you view God. For some of you ladies, you had a husband that walked out on you, and you've needed something to kind of be there in that space in your life and what you're going through. And some there's a woman here that maybe says, right now he's kind of like my husband. There's a there's a, a there's a somebody here in this room. You you don't have a biological father involved in your life. He maybe walked out on you. He's never been around or had any good relationship with him. But God steps into that place, and now you start to call him Father in a whole different way in your life. I use different kinds of names at different times for how I see God when I'm lonely I call him my friend when I'm dealing with sinfulness I call him my savior he is the lord of my life and I trust him and when he says get on my back through that intimacy I trust him and say okay I'm gonna get on your back and the reason this is such a powerful thing for me to talk about with you and so authentic for me is because this is my life there was a time where I knew of him then there was a time where that journey moved into covenant relationship where I knew him intimately. And so what I want for you in this time together is to just have that opportunity to kind of join me on that journey for some of you to reconnect with him. It's been a while and he's calling you out to come home. Let's stand to our feet. We'll finish out our time together. We're running behind because we got a late start with all the kids check in stuff, but we're going to finish out. I am going to remind you what I said at the very beginning which is this, uh, please keep this place calm, keep this sanctuary in order because there's somebody here, their life is about to radically transform and please don't get in the way of that. In just a moment, I'm gonna count to three and I'm gonna ask people to join me right up here in the front to say, pastor, you've been talking to me, I need to come back home. Or pastor, you've been talking to me, I need to surrender, I need to turn my life over to him. You're gonna make that decision. If there's a person next to you that is in the middle of a row somewhere and they need to get out, I'm going to ask you to do a clear out to make sure they can easily get out of the row. If they won't get out of the way, push them over. No. Do whatever you got to do to say, okay, this is a decision I got to make. We're going to actually, what I'll do is I'll pray over you. When I ask you to come forward, I'll pray over you. The band will sing for about a minute. I'll pray over you. And then on your way out, we got a really cool, it's its just a little token type thing. It's, it's really pretty cool, actually. And we'll give you this on your way out after we're done praying as a reminder of that commitment and that covenant we have with your heavenly Father. But I want to put up on the screen that scripture we started with in 2 Corinthians. Here's what it says in chapter 5 and verse 17. It says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life, it's time. It's time for the old life to be gone. It's time for a new life to begin. Some of you need to return to that. And let me tell you, for some of you, this is going to be the greatest day of your entire life. There's people that remember this day way more of a priority than their physical birth. This is going to be a great day. You know, I hear people say sometimes, they'll say, you know, what is the greatest day, you know, in all of human history? And, you know, somebody might argue and say, well, I'll tell you the greatest day in human history is when God created humans. That had to be, yeah. I say, no, that's probably not it. It's the greatest day in human history, like when Moses parted the Red Sea, that had to be a pretty big deal. I say, no, that wasn't the greatest day in human history either. Maybe the greatest day in human history was when Joshua said he wanted the sun to stand still, and God kept the sun to stand still for just a little bit longer but that wasn't it either maybe it was the day of the virgin birth that was a pretty spectacular day but i would argue that's probably not the biggest day in human history either and maybe somebody says no it's the day that jesus walked on water or fed the 5,000 are those the greatest days in human history i'd say no those probably aren't either what about it was when jesus was dying on the cross or when he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven are those the greatest days in human history and i'd say no I'd say the greatest day in human history is the day that you come and connect with your heavenly Father because the Bible says that the heavens rejoice when one person comes home. That is the greatest day in history because it's the greatest day for you. And I would say for you, for some of you, the time is right now. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. I'm just going to pray right now that God just stir your heart one last time. And some of you, like, man. You know it's time. There's somebody, you're, you're, you're next to a spouse and you know you want to go and you're, maybe they're not sure, but you know you are. Just grab their hand. Tell them. It's so much easier when you bring somebody with you. When I count to three, I'll give you that opportunity. Maybe you got a friend around you and you just want them to take you down there. Maybe you're gonna come by yourself. You're gonna be bold that way. You're gonna push past all the noise and what will my friends think and what will happen if I do this or that? And it's not about any of that. It's about a journey with you and God the creator of the universe, who set this day in motion a long time ago so that you would come home. I'm gonna give you that chance to do that. And I believe there's a man here that you're battling it. Your family's been waiting. There's a lot at stake. There's a woman here and you've you've gone through some things. God wants to raise you to new life. There's some teens here in this room. You're not living for God. You're not. Some of you don't even know him. You say, Man, I mean, I I want to have this for my life. I I, I don't do what everybody else is doing. God, I wanna do the way that you want me to live. God's calling you out. He's calling you home. He's saying you hear my voice. You've been gone a while. It's been gone a long time, but we're gonna reconnect together right, right now. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Three. Make your way right now. Just slide on out. we got people already coming. Just make your way. Slip right on out. Some of, I see some folks trying to come in the back. There's some people here. Let them slide right out. Let them slide right out. Make their way. We have people coming to the front. Look, don't be stopped. Some of you, don't be stopped. You serve an unstoppable God. I serve an unstoppable God. I serve a God that raises people from the dead. And if he can raise people from the dead, he can get you out of your seat. And so you say, God, I'm ready to get out of my seat. Uh, For some of you, like there's some low things that have happened in your life and you feel like things are really, really dead in life. And God says, you know what? I raised my son from the dead. I can raise you into something new in your life. There's a woman here, a man, you've been through a divorce. And God says, if I could raise my son from the dead, I can raise you out of that situation that you've been living in because of your divorce and the brokenness from that. And you may have made some decisions to really choose the wrong path. And God says, I love you enough. I love you so much that I can set a new path in motion for you to find a new life. A new way to live, a new direction. God says, I want that for you, but you've got to choose it. He's right here. He's waiting for anybody who's ready to come. The band's going to sing for one minute, and then I'm, we're going to pray over those who've come. It's not too late. We still got some folks coming. It's not too late.
0: I can to
2: praying for those coming for those of you who came forward just bow your heads I cannot do anything for you right now in other words this has got to come from your own heart whatever it is and everybody's story up here is different and I don't know what it is God knows but I don't but I just want to help you with what it might look like there's somebody here you're coming back home to the father and maybe for you it's just a time of just confession before God he already knows what you've done and what you've gone through. You're just, you're just coming back home to him by just confessing that sin and saying, God, heal me of that brokenness. God, I'm coming back into your arms. There's somebody here. You're here for the first time. And you've taken the big step, it seems to me, already. But there's an admittance for sure that says, yeah, God, I have sinned. And I've, I've lived in a way that, that doesn't honor you. And I've made some choices in, in my life. But God, I see what that is now. The Bible calls that sin, and I, I see it. But God, I don't, I don't want to live like that any longer. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, came to forgive me of that sin. I'm receiving that forgiveness right now in the trusting of the name of Jesus. God, I, I'm going to get on your back. If you can take me across Niagara Falls, I'm going to do it. God, I trust you. And I'm ready to begin this new journey of intimacy, this new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, those of you that came forward, there'll be some people holding up these coins. They've got them here. Maybe you're in the corners. we'll get. If you'll just come catch them, they want to give you that before you head back to your seat. Now then, as they head back to their seat, help me out, people. Would you cheer them on as they head back to their seat? Come on, we can do better. Come on, let's cheer them on. Let's cheer them on. All right. All right. It's the greatest day ever. Go ahead, man.